Bibles there, Matthew chapter 26. Amen. Right. I need your full attention this evening because I believe this is of great importance that we're going to talk about tonight. And it's really one of those ones that has to challenge the way that you see this journey of salvation that we're on. It's one of those ones really that I consider like make or break. It's, it's a, if you uh, uh, take on board uh, what we're talking about, what we're going to observe this evening, I believe it has the power uh, when we acknowledge it and understand it, it has the power to keep us in the long term. But there's some that may dismiss it, not understand it, you know, overlook it. And, uh, you know, the Bible's clear. Uh, we're going to look at example after example uh, in the text that we're going to read of how this topic, this issue, this subject uh, really does affect our lives. So you would have seen the flyer uh, that says, and the, the statement on the flyer is, every man has his price. Now, I'll say from the very beginning, we're not talking about man as in just a male. This applies to women as well. Every man or woman has their price. And so where this phrase is often used, to give you an example of where you might come across this phrase, is if uh, you might be, you know, just about your day-to-day -day business and someone sees something that you have that they, they like. They see something that you have that they like. And they look to you and say, how much for this thing? I know I've had people come to me and there's been vehicles that I've had uh, up for sale, but there's some vehicle, how many of my, my personal vehicles, it's not up for sale. And someone would say, oh, how much for this one? It's not up for sale. And then the statement is used, but everyone has, every man has their price. So what they're trying to say is that if the deal is good enough, if the price is enough, then I'm going to convince you that it's worth the trade-off. You'd be willing to be inconvenienced. You'd be willing to be put in a, a difficult situation, callless for a little while, maybe phoneless for a little while, because every man or every woman has their price. When we see a price tag that looks like it's over market value, we start thinking, man, I could just sell this now and just, hey, you know, I could just buy another one and just keep the profit. Why? Because every man or every woman has their price. Now when it comes to Jesus in our lives, how many know, and you ought to say amen here, we have to adopt a not for sale attitude. When it comes to Jesus Christ, how many know you and I have to adopt a not for sale attitude that when the devil comes knocking at, and he said okay this is what I'm going to offer you here's what's on the table let's do the trade we have to be able to stand firm and say no Jesus's presence in my life is not for sale but the reality is truth be told and this is what I want to talk about this evening every man and every woman has their price so if we're going to live for Jesus in the long term, we're going to combat the temptations and the powers of darkness in the long term, there are some things we're going to need to learn tonight. And so the Bible says in Matthew chapter 26, verse 14 to 16, and then we're going to skip down. The Bible says, then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went to the chief priests and said, what are you willing to give me 
if I deliver him to you. And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. Skip down to verse 21. Now, as they were eating, he said, this is Jesus speaking, eh? Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. And each of them began to say, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, he who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes, just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Then, G then Judas, sorry, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? He said to him, you have said it. So here we are seeing this scene unfold. We're seeing how the enemy can work in a life and bring someone, or in our text here, Judas, to the point uh, that he's outright trading off. We can see the tangible trade-off uh, for Jesus in his life. Uh, the Bible says he goes to the chief priests uh, and says to them, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? He knows they want Jesus. He knows that they want him dead. They want him silenced. He says, what are you willing to give me if I am the one who brings him to you? The Bible says he was just worth 30 pieces of silver to Judas. Now, you know, we can look at Judas and we can have our same caps on and, and we fold our arms and read the Bible. And, you know, Judas is one of the most hated characters in the Bible. Let's just be real. He's one of the, other than the devil himself, you know, I can't think of many others uh, that are hated such like Judas. Judas is hated. No one don't name their kids Judas because no one don't like Judas's character. And so, you know, Judas is, uh, uh, you know, really and truly he gets a bad rap. And the reason why is because, yes, he did wickedness. Yes, he sold out Jesus. But I want you to hear me closely. There are people in 2021 that are selling out Jesus for less than 30 pieces of silver. Far less. There are people in 2021 that are selling out Jesus just for popularity. There are people in 2021 that will sell out Jesus because of convenience. And so while we can sit here and say with our holy hats on, Judas is a wicked man. The reality is, in our day and age, in our generation, even in the church of God, there can be people far more wicked that would do far worse and sell out Jesus for far less. This comes at the end of Jesus' life, his earthly ministry, his life. He's about to go to the cross and it's all going to be done and won. But Jesus said, yeah, this thing's going to happen. Jesus even gives a warning. He says, woe to that man by whom the Son of God is betrayed. The question I have for every person listening today, right here in the house of God and those here and online, is what is your price? What's your price? What could the devil offer you that would bring you to that place? And some of you, as I've said that, you've said in your head, I will never. I will never, nothing. And that's the first thing I want to talk to you about. It's the statement, I will never. 
You know, people come to that I will never place for many different reasons. Some people come to the I will never because they have a confidence in the strength of their salvation today. That you know, I've been living for God for a while. I've gone through that new convert stage. I've won some battles. I've faced some temptations. I've cast out maybe even some demons. And you know, I'm come to that point where I feel like, you know what, I don't need to be as protected. I don't need to be as careful. I don't need to be as diligent in my walk with God. Why? Because I feel strong in my salvation right now. I don't need to be so mindful about who I hang around with. I don't need to be so mindful about the things that I set my eyes upon. I don't need to be as mindful about where I go and who I go with. Because I'm strong now. I know that I'm at a place now where I will never. Some people come to the I will never because of not so much that, you know, how they feel about themselves. It's more of a positive confession or a, a reinforcement at daily in the morning in the mirror as they're telling themselves these motivational things that they will say to themselves reciting I will never sell out Jesus I will never do xyz and it's like they're convincing themselves it's like when we're told to write lines as kids I will never da, 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 I will never da, da, da. and the idea is that you say that enough times that then you actually live it out but the reality is many of us we just go and do the same thing anyway so if we're going to live for Jesus in the long run, it has to be more than just a positive confession in the morning to say, I will never do X, Y, Z. Some people have come to the I will never or use those words, I will never, because of a, a, a theological understanding. They believe that, you know, I, I, the place that I'm at now, I can never slip backwards. I could never slip out of this Relationship, I will never, and what it breeds oftentimes is a complacency. I don't need boundaries, I don't need any standards. One man said, Overconfidence quickly breeds complacency. To be overly confident about where you're at and your strength in God to be overconfident about your knowledge of the scriptures to be overconfident oftentimes breeds complacency and look at what the Bible says now keep Matthew 26 open because we're going to jump around there a few times we need to understand all that's going on here and the context of all this so look at verse 33 the Bible says Peter answered and said to him Peter is talking to Jesus, right? Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Peter is speaking to Jesus Christ himself and saying, Jesus, I want to tell you today that even if all of these other disciples sell you out, even if Judas gives you over and everyone else runs away, me, Peter, I will never, ever turn away. He even goes as far as saying in the next couple of verses, that even if I have to die with you, Jesus, I'm not going to be that guy. Now, the reason why we know that that's just, you know, we're not really moved by Peter's words is because we know that just come the next chapter or later on in that chapter, we see that, you know, Peter's under some extreme pressure. And all of a sudden, he's doing the very thing that he said he will never do. 
This is the potential inside of us. To say, I will never, but actually find ourselves in that very place itself. What Peter's actually saying is, Jesus, right now, I don't have a price. And this is what I want to come to this evening. Because the reality is, is all of us have a price. And there's a way in which we need to conduct ourselves, there's a way in which we need to pray, there's a way in which we need to fight this good fight if we're going to make it in the long run. You know, betrayal is real, right? Betrayal is a real thing. I know we've had our experiences of betrayal and, and things. You might have someone who you thought, man, that was a friend. How many know betrayal is so painful because it never comes from an enemy? It's always from a friend because if it's betrayal, it's someone you thought was a friend and they've turned their back on you. And so, you know, betrayal is a very real thing. Jesus knew that betrayal was going to happen. Jesus actually says in the scripture, in verse 21, he says, Now, as they were eating, and shortly I say to you, one of you will betray me. He knows that someone's going to betray him. Jesus isn't moved by the betrayal. Jesus isn't shocked that, that someone's going to betray. He knows that this is going to come to pass. Something's going to happen. In John chapter 6, we know that there are many that are walking away from Jesus. Jesus doesn't stop. He's not shocked by this betrayal. He's not shocked. And, and uh, we don't read about Jesus saying, no, this isn't how the plan was supposed to go. Guys, come back. He said to the others, he said, do you want to go as well? Why? Because betrayal... And rejection is a very real part of life. And Jesus was not afraid of this. Betrayal often is the people that we never expected. It's the ones we thought would always be with us. It's the ones that we thought that would serve God by our side to the very end. It's the one that said, I will never. But somehow, we're looking at the situation you know, betraying Christ is a, is a shocking thing because it always comes from one who is considered a friend. Like I said, betrayal only comes from a friend. And I want to tell you today, every man, every woman has their price. This is the second thing I want to talk to you about is this price. Oftentimes, uh, you know, just to help illustrate this, you know, we start to think that if we get to a certain place in life, we get to a certain... Uh, milestone in our salvation i've done this jesus thing for five years now i could never ever i mean i could never turn back on god you know the diligence the care that we had as new converts that when we got saved we were like oh my days this good this good this good salvation i've experienced that we didn't want to lose it so every day we're so careful we're diligent it's like as we get saved the longer and the longer we're saved the more we start to relax I was having a conversation recently, can't remember who we've actually I've had this conversation with a few people to be fair. It's probably why I can't remember exactly who. But we're just talking about the recent failures that have come out in the um, in the media, uh, some Christian leaders, and you know, just, just talking about different aspects of this and you know how we need to pray for leaders and stuff like that. I think there was the, the guy, forgive me if I get names wrong, but I think the guy's named Carl Lenz. Something like that, or along those lines, there's the guy uh, who wrote that, that book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Mm -hmm. And that was another topic. There was Ravi Zacharias just recently. It's just come out, people are talking about. And so, you know, there's all this kind of, this talk going on. And, I, you know, I was talking with this person and in the discussion, one of the things I've been trying to tell people who've been discussing this uh, is that, yes, there are failures. People have 
made huge mistakes and, and errors and it's not right at all. But what happens is it's like that everyone effect. You remember that sermon we talked about everyone? How, you know, when we see a few examples, we start to think everyone is living like that, right? And we start to think to ourselves, wait, is there anyone that's actually living for God? But the reality is, you know, there's uh, hundreds, if not thousands, if not hundreds of thousands uh, of pastors and church leaders uh, that have just done right by God throughout the last year. And we don't see that celebrated. And so this doesn't tell us that everyone's doing it. But what it does tell us is that every man has a price. What it does reveal to us is that you can, it doesn't matter how long you've been saved. It doesn't matter how many sermons you've preached. It doesn't matter how many people are uh, referred to you as a deacon or brother or saint so-and-so or, 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 you know, I don't know, whatever title they give you. It matters not because you still have a price. And the devil is diligent to try and find that price. And if he can get you to that place and bring out the humanity and cause you to fall. Some of these men had, and these people had great influence. Great influence amongst people and all of that. Listen, we, we are fighting against a very real enemy. And there are some that will dismiss things like this and say, oh, you know, it just means they were never really saved. Oh, they were just never, ever the real deal anyway. You know, I'm the real deal, so it won't happen to me. Listen, you need to check your theology. You need to check that theology. Because some of these people had influence with doing things for God. I can't speak for everyone. I don't know their testimony. But I'm pretty sure that some of these were the real deal at some point. But the issue is, Everyone has a price. And what we're seeing from the scripture is that it wasn't just Judas. There's others around as well. And it's highlighting that every man and every woman has a price tonight. This isn't something that happens overnight. There is a build up to this. Judas, even Judas himself, it didn't just happen overnight. It's not like Judas was just, you know, serving God, doing everything right, and then boom, out of nowhere. Okay, I'm going to betray Jesus, and off I go. No, there was a build-up. We even see hints in the scripture. We see in John 12 and verse 4, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the money box and he would take or he used to take what was put inside of it. So we're already seeing that there's, there's things brewing inside of Judas. It's not an overnight job. It's not like, okay, everything's cool and then boom, betrayal. You don't go from zero to a hundred. As I said, the devil's diligent. He wears away over time. The Bible says it's Judas, the one who would betray. You know, when I read that, I think, you know, when this is penned down, John, the author, as he's writing this down, years after it's happened, remember, he's writing this down knowing that Judas would betray Jesus in the end, right? And when I read that, yes, sir, he states there that Judas, the one who would betray him, is a distinction because there's another Judas that's mentioned in the scriptures, so there's a distinction made, I get that. But also it speaks to us uh, as a link. 
And when you're writing something, let me just remind you, as he's writing, let me just remind you, this is the one who would betray him. So watch what happens next. And you start seeing that link. His actions here are leading him to that place in the end, if you know what I'm saying. Right, and so here we're seeing something. We're seeing that this isn't coincidence. This is something that's happening in his life to lead him to a certain place. You know what's so shocking? Is Judas is the one who asked the chief priests. The chief priests didn't come to Judas. They didn't say, Judas, we have an offer on the table. Judas, the Bible says in verse 15, and said, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted to him 30 pieces of silver. That tells me that this was on Judas's mind. This isn't something that just popped out. It's on his mind. He's thinking about this. Okay, what kind of deal could I do? You know, there's people in the house of God. They'll say things like, you know, I wonder what my life would look like. But if I wasn't doing this Jesus thing, I wonder how many friends I'd have if I wasn't the Christian one. I wonder what kind of relationships I'd be in if I wasn't so churchy and saved. And people start thinking about what would it look like if I sold out Jesus in my life and made a trade with the devil. Now listen to me. Everyone's price is different. No two people may not have the, you know, I might not have the same price as your price. The next person's price might not be the same as their price. There are things that appeal to different people. There are temptations that are tailor-made specific to your life. Why? Because the devil is diligent in this area. Some people's price is acceptance. They want to be accepted by others. Social media doesn't help this area. Peer pressure, popularity, uh, people want to be, uh, uh, you know, welcome by them. They want the likes, they want people to, uh, oh yeah, you know, we love you and blah, blah, blah. One dislike can turn people's head all upside down. Why? Because there's this desire for acceptance. This is where Peter is. Bible says uh, in verse 31 of Matthew 26, Jesus said to him, all of you will be made to stumble because of me, because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Now, he says all of them will be made to stumble. Peter turns back and says, as we spoke about, you know, I, I will not, I will never, I will never be made to stumble because of you. I will die for you, Jesus. I will die. But given the right circumstances, given the right influence and pressure, he's in the courtyard. He's warming his hands by fire. The Bible says he's watching Jesus from a distance. He's already at a distance. Normally he'd be right by Jesus' side, but he's already at a distance. And now the pressure comes on, right? So he's already far from the Savior. The pressure, aren't you one of them? Aren't you a disciple of Jesus? He says, no, I don't know the man. But, but you sound like, and the pressure, the pressure. He says, no, I don't. And the Bible says he even starts cursing her to try and get these people away from him. And the, the rooster crows. He hears that and he remembers, the Bible says, he remembers what Jesus said. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna deny me. In front of people, you're going to deny me even this very night. And how many know for acceptance, people will often trade off the presence of God. Through fear, people will trade off the presence of God. There are some people that will trade off, you know, I'm scared of the outcomes, the future. 
And the devil seems to offer some form of security. We know that the devil's a liar. And it's a trade-off. I'm willing to do it. For money, people will trade off. It's interesting that Judas is uh, 30 pieces of silver. It was money that was the motivator to trade off Jesus. How many people do you know that, you know, were once serving God, but because of the love of money? I mean, money itself isn't wicked. It's the love inside of us for money that becomes wicked and the trade-off is made. Some people's price is instant gratification. Gratifying or, or, you know, satisfying the needs of the flesh. Oh, you know, my flesh, my body, I want to do something, blah, 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 and, and I'm willing to trade. Some people, it's a relationship, a person. Some people have got, you know, their ideal person in their head and all the devil needs to do. This isn't for everyone. There's nothing wrong with having requirements, by the way. But for some, all the devil needs to do is bring you that perfect person, except for one thing. They're just not saved. They're just not Christian. And that's enough to do the trade. And some people say, you know, I'll, I'll compromise. I'll sell out Jesus in my life for that one thing. You know, when we're going through life, I've heard people say this a lot. God knows my heart. God knows my heart. I'll never. You know, Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So I would say to you tonight that you don't even know your own heart. You sit here and you say, I know my heart. I would never do that to Jesus. You don't even know your own heart, the Bible says. You can't be that confident because at the end of the day, we are still human. And the reality still remains that we have a price. Now, I want to talk to you lastly about living for Christ because we need to understand what do we need to do then? If we've got this price, how do we navigate this Christian walk? How do we live for Jesus? How do we have victory? How do we gain the victory? And there are some things that we do. The first thing, and I would say one of the most important and most influential things that you're going to do is understand and accept, first of all, know that you have a price. If you're going to live for God right, you need to know that you have a price. You don't need to necessarily even know what that price is. But you need to know that you have a price. You need to know that you have the capacity to fail. You need to know that you have uh, inside of you, there is a, a wickedness inside of our hearts uh, that needs to be cleansed daily, uh, that needs to be tamed uh, and needs to be kept in check. Uh, there is a way in which we need to live uh, and that first comes with an understanding that we can fail in this thing. I was with uh, Pastor Jay recently and we were uh, just chatting and talking about, you know, just, just different things, life and stuff and he dropped a nugget and he said, you know what? One of the things uh, that he's observed and noticed over the years of his ministry and just seeing brethren around and, you know, he's been, he's been preaching for years and years, decades. But he said one thing that he's seen and he knows is that the people that say, I will never, I'll never, I'll never cheat my wife. I'll never do, I'll never do that. I would never, I'll never sin. No, I would never set my eyes. 
He said, those people are often the ones that end up failing. He said, it's the people that understand they can fail. That find themselves daily leaning upon God. Daily praying. Daily asking God, I need your help to survive one more day. I want to make heaven. He said, those are the people that live for God in the long run. And I don't know about you, but I'm not here to warm seats and play church. I want to make it to heaven. I don't want my life to read that, you know what, hey, he did well for 20 years, and then he turned his back on Jesus all at once. No, I don't, I don't want that for my life. I want to be able to look back at life, live for God. I want to be able to see when we get into heaven one day and look back, not with regret, but with rejoicing. So you need to, first of all, know that you have a price. The second thing is you need to be fully submitted to the will of God. Like one of the things that we see in the text, and you'll know this already because I've preached about this before, is that the disciples ask the question, they say, Lord, is it I? And Judas, uh, who's the one who's going to betray, says, Rabbi, is it I? There's a clear difference there. Lord uh, indicates you've submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, I, I'm submitted to your will. What you want to do, but Rabbi is just a teacher. It's just a good teacher, you know, teacher, is it I? And there is a difference in the way in which they see Jesus. Now, I would say to you today, uh, how do you see Jesus today? Because if we're going to live for Jesus in the long run, he needs to be Lord. This whole, you know, I just come, you know, all, you know, sermons are nice and, and uh, you know, see people in church and, and all of that. And that's all it is for you. No, no, it's not enough. He has to be Lord over your life. That means he has to have... Uh, right and access to direct you in your life. If we're going to live for him in the long run, if we're going to live a successful life for Jesus Christ, that he has to be Lord. Third thing is that we need to see the signs of compromise early and shut them down. When you see the signs of compromise don't think, oh yeah, you know what, hey, you know, there's always this kind of line game that Christians play. Here's the line of sin, and you know, I'm just getting closer and closer, but I'm not there. I'm, I'm cool, I'm not there, I haven't crossed the line. But listen, all those little compromises, things that you wouldn't have done before, all those little compromises just leading you closer and closer until you realise, oh my days, I'm on the edge. I've crossed the line. And when you see elements of compromise, now this ranges different things for different people. You're going to need the Holy Ghost here. Some people, it may come in the form of, you know, uh, financially, that there's moments where money has taken the number one spot over God. Some people, it's a person that, you know, they seem to have more influence in your life than God. Some people, it's a job. You know, your, your manager says you're working these hours and, and hey, now it's your manager determines whether or not you can serve God. You know, you've got to work that out yourself with your own fear and trembling. But the fact is, if you see errors of compromise that are clearly leading you down a road, then you need to deal with those if you're going to live for God in the long, in the long term. This is the importance also of having boundaries and having... Things that, you know, standards that you set for yourself. Yeah. The standards isn't about clothing that you wear and just, you know, blah, blah, blah. Standards is more about and boundaries about 
what you set for yourself and where you will go, the things that you will do and won't do and things that you might, uh, you will watch and won't watch and stuff like that and blah, blah, blah. You've got to set up some boundaries. You know, sometimes people look at those who set up boundaries as if they're extra. Oh man, that's extra, you know. That doesn't sound spiritual enough for them. But listen, hey, each their own. You do your thing, innit? But over the years, I've seen that those who set some boundaries for themselves tend to, they're not perfect people, but they tend to live within the boundaries of those things. It's wisdom. Yeah. It's wisdom that's going to help you navigate daily. Uh, it's going to help you uh, when you say, I'm going to discipline myself, uh, that daily I'm going to pray at a particular time, uh, and blah, 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 I'm going to do this. Uh, and listen, you're, you're setting up those standards and boundaries. You're saying, you know, this is how I'm going to live. There's a certain way I will interact with members of the opposite sex. You're setting up boundaries for yourself. The fourth thing, which I think is very important, is you must express regularly gratitude for the life that you have in Jesus Christ. Now listen, people get duped into these trade-offs with the enemy because they take, they take their eyes off of what Jesus has done for them. Yeah. And when you develop a regular, I would say daily routine of giving thanks to God. How I many know giving thanks is all throughout the Bible. It's a command. We need to give thanks. Yeah. And when you develop a regular routine of giving thanks to God, you know how much harder it is for the devil to bring something your way and for you to just say, oh yeah, cool, let me do it. Because you are constantly reminding yourself of the goodness of God. You know, God says to the, the children of Israel, you know, when you're sitting down, sit your children on your lap and tell them about how I delivered you out of Egypt. He said, tell them the stories of what happened. Why? Because you need to remember. You need to remind yourself constantly and tell the next generation of what I've done in your life. Because when the enemy comes and says, hey, here's what I'm offering, you will stand and say, no, look at what God has done for me over all these years. How could I do such a thing? And the fifth thing, one that's overlooked and often underestimated is daily prayer. Is that if we're going to live for Christ in the long run, we need daily to be praying you know, God, I, I'm not trying to live out this 24 hours in my own strength because yeah. I know I have a price. Yeah, God, I need you. Yeah, Don't underestimate the power of daily prayer. Yeah, and before you'd even leave your house, you'd say some words. You'd say, God, you know what? I don't want to stumble. Yeah. God, you've taken me too far. I don't want to stumble. I know I have the capacity to fail. Yeah. And so, God, I'm leaning on you all the more. This is why Paul says, hey, in my weakness, I'm made strong. He's made strong. Why? Because uh, when we lean on God, when we're weak, we lean on God. When we think we're strong and we think we can do it ourselves, prayer, oh, yeah, I can skip a couple of days. It doesn't matter. But to the person who knows they have a price, yeah. that 30 minutes, even that 10 minutes makes all the difference. Yeah. When they come before God and say, God, I desperately need this. I just want to close and just talk and quickly just have a look at Matthew 27. I'm not going to read any scriptures, but you can read it in your own time. Verse 3 to 10, you'll read of Judas 
and how afterwards he realizes what's happened. He's betrayed innocent blood. He says, you know, the Bible actually says he was remorseful. And he goes and he tries to make things right. He goes back to these priests. He runs to the wrong place, as it were. And he goes to the priest to try and undo the transaction. He wants to give back the money. He thinks the money is what's making him feel guilty. And so, you know, he feels condemned. They reject the money. The Bible says he hung himself, right? And so even this money falls at the priest's feet and stuff. And, and they, they're wondering what to do with it. Uh, it was the price for blood, so they said we can't put it in the treasury. I mean, that's weird, isn't it? They, they sold out, they, they paid for Jesus to be delivered, but they've got a standard of what's sacred still. That's mad, isn't it? But anyway, so that all unfolds, and uh, you know, he hangs himself, he's condemned, but you know, and I've said this before, but it just plays on my mind sometimes. I just wonder, I just wonder what would have happened, what we would be reading if Judas ran to Jesus' feet and not the high priest or those chief priest's feet. I just wonder. I don't know. It's just speculation. But you know, the God that we serve is very gracious, you know. I just wonder. You know, I just wonder. But what I can tell you today is that whilst we have a price, and you know what, hey, there is a, a point that we can get to, given the right, and the devil's trying to wear us out to that point. He has to work on people for years sometimes to get them to that point. But we can live a certain way to ensure that, you know, hey, I'm protecting myself as best as I can. God, I need your strength. Whilst that is all true, there was a price paid for our sins on the cross of Calvary. That Jesus Christ died for our sins. That was a price that we can never repay. And what that also means is that, you know what, for someone who may find themselves, they cross the line. Like the prodigal son, as our brother mentioned earlier on, crossed the line, it's gone too far. It means it's not too late. It means that if there's still air in your lungs, there's time to repent. That is the good news of the gospel today. That Jesus can still save your soul. But you've got to come home and say, you know, hey, you know, I've been doing this wrong. I got complacent. I crossed lines. I went, I overstepped the mark. And you're only going to know that, right? You, it's only you that's going to know that. If you feel in your heart of hearts, you know you need that. You know what? Hey, listen, God's still here. Hebrews 13, 5 says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know that scripture kind of sums up pretty much everything we've been talking about today. If you unpack that scripture, he says, Hey, listen, don't be covetous for other things. Don't be looking what to trade off. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What you have in Jesus Christ is precious. Don't trade that off for, for some temporary pleasure. Don't trade that off for some instant gratification. Don't trade that off for some personal or just popularity or peer pressure. It's precious what we have in Christ. If we're going to live for Jesus in the long run, we need to understand this issue. Every man has his price. I want you to bow your heads with me all across this place. I want you to bow your heads. We're going to pray in just a moment. The altar is going to be opened up. And I really want to encourage you to come up out of your seat and pray at the altar.